0: hello i'm eagle eagle gardens eagle gardens one on instagram and this is fucking talking shit with eagle episode 644 got a great guest for you returning guest this evening uh brett Bogue, how you doing my friend uh it is nice to see you i'm glad you could join us tonight
1: well thank you so much eagle i've uh been uh, very interesting since the last time i saw you or spoke with you and been on the show Lots have changed uh, since then, but always being, you know, keeping our head open, our minds open, and just uh, trying to see, navigate the ever-changing, which is, is, it is changing all the time, the cannabis industry, so.
0: Well, I'd like to take the time right, right off the bat to wish you a happy belated birthday. If I remember correctly, your birthday was a little earlier this month. So, uh, happy birthday to you, my friend.
1: Yes, it was. I I reached the the, the plateau of uh, 52, uh, which is, you know, seemingly... uh, It's kind of strange when, as you get older, it doesn't seem so old. But when you're younger, it just seems so old. So, um, I think age has definitely... Like anyone, it should, you hope, taught me so many different uh, ways of uh, living and learning about myself, but I thank you for the uh, birthday wishes.
0: Well, last time was definitely a fun, informative, and motivational episode, so I'm very much looking forward to catching up this round. So uh, I've heard you've been very busy. Very, very busy. As you said, the cannabis industry moves very quickly, and uh, apparently, you've either been leading or running along with it. So, what's been going on, my friend?
1: <clears throat> so, out of, out here in New York, uh, which the law passed uh, a little bit uh, at the beginning of 2022, and then the legislation and the the actual governing body rules regulations are still being toyed with in some aspect. They have a general idea of what they're doing. <laughs> but I think it has to do with zoning, planning, and some other issues uh, currently. But so with that said, we've been out
2: here really with a group
1: uh, advocating for the social equity and also other, uh, I wanna get this right, uh, the uh, social lounges where they could actually partake uh, partake in smoking and buying and purchasing cannabis <laughs> so it's been you know very interesting to see that evolve and then in the meantime we open up a school uh nycannaschool.org and that's specifically working with the social equity as well as veterans and the other uh, groups that are really affected over the years uh, because of the prohibition in cannabis. So with the passing of the law, the law has um, allowed for a three plant flowering garden and a three plant vegetative garden, total of six plants, or if you will, for a total of a household, six flowering and six beds for a total of 12 plants per household. It's also uh, very uh, I think, I think it's
2: one of the most relaxed and one of the most,
1: I think it's one of the best laws uh, when it comes to personal use. That's up to five pounds of cannabis at your house, upwards of three ounces on person uh, at any one given time. You could be smoking on the street. Anywhere you can smoke a cigarette on the street, you can smoke cannabis. And as well, you can have up to 28 grams of concentrate on you at any given time. That's a beautiful, beautiful life. I mean, three ounces of cannabis and 28 grams of cannabis and five pounds of uh, keepsake at home, you can't go wrong. That's a great, that's a great state to live in. So I'm really uh, uh, stoked and happy to be able to teach people really about that and about how to maximize a personal garden and uh, work on uh, their
2: home garden, so. That's kind
3: of what we're doing. That's a pretty fruitful effort, in my opinion, uh, for multiple reasons. I talk all the time that I think that uh,
0: the cultivation side of cannabis is most definitely, I think, the most therapeutic uh, part of cannabis. You know, cannabis itself is a great value of, of a medicine, but I think the cultivation side of it has just as big of an impact as the plant itself,
3: to be honest with you, as far as uh, a medicine.
1: Yes,
2: um, I think farming, just like it may be any other hobby-like
1: or or uh, profession that allows you to get out, not only outside, but working with the dirt, the plant itself, another living um organism, another living,
2: thriving, breathing, really part of our our, our atmosphere, our world. I think it's really important for people to get involved. You know, this last pandemic that we just had,
1: a lot of people, I think, well, a lot of things happen. I think a lot of people realize about being able to work at home, being able to do other uh, alternative jobs that allow you to be more focused on yourself, family, and friends. And then finally, really, it seems people got to a point that they started seeing their time and their energy and how they could use it uh, in a more productive way that helps or benefits them, their lifestyle. Not them, I was going to say themselves, but. That's more of their lifestyle. So I think that's something that we're gonna see, uh, uh, even as things start to, instead of having uh, an individual doing uh, working in a restaurant, i.e. back cooking, I think in the next 10 to 15 years, you're gonna see mostly uh, robots and uh, uh, things of that nature. Uh, it, it's gonna get interesting. And that's what I mean. It's just the, the changing of the guard, changing of time, changing the way things are gonna happen. So it should be really interesting.
3: Yeah, uh, I, I definitely agree with you. Uh, I I really believe a lot of that,
0: not that the, the pandemic itself didn't have a lot of weight, but I think they put even more to it to put some of these things into place, to be honest with you, to get, some of the people out of the picture make things a little bit more automated. Uh, I think the the plan was necessarily to scare everybody with germs so they didn't want to touch currency or interact, limit their interaction with people and depend more on like robots as far as like uh, being served and stuff like that. Being more of a sanitary option, I think, was part of the push.
1: Yeah. Well, and I also think too, you know, kind of going back to the whole gardening, and it, it really put an emphasis on, or how important it was. Look, at, you couldn't even go get food or vegetables or fruits or things of that nature. Where now, if you knew how to farm and you knew what was going on, you, although you wouldn't be able to leave your house, you'd be able to come from the, your your balcony, possibly uh, your window. However, it would be. There's still an availability through sunlight, through air, and through made in conditions that one would be able to grow a, a little indoor garden. And that is something that is quintessential to life. If you have fruits and vegetables, guess what? You live. But people have decided in so many different ways that it's easy to walk down to the store or easy to go to the grocery store or even online to order it. Well, we saw. And, and, and I'll kind of land that little plane there, is that we saw that what happened. We saw exactly by that mindset, people were panicking. People were uh, having a, a, to find alternative ways to eat, share. And those are the things that are, I don't know if you remember, I don't know how old you are, Eagle, but when I was going to school, uh, they had what was called home ec. Home ec taught you how to sew, laundry, a little bit of a basic home economics when it comes to you know some math, paying some bills, type of thing. <laughs> also about cooking, um, and it was just really important. I mean, even as a you know, we get these stereotypes, uh, you know, guys, women, whatever, whatever. I think we're we broke past it now, but it used to be that you know, the women was the one that was cooking or cleaning or doing something out of it nature, <laughs> and guys uh, uh, in so many different ways that was your opportunity to learn how to uh, uh, be self-sufficient and most of the time if you're not living with someone else how to be able to take care of yourself and it's a wonderful thing I think especially as you get older people uh, uh women are like wow you know how to cook you know how to clean you know how to take care? well yeah I know how to take care of myself. What do you mean? What's the fuck, what are you talking about? Of course I know how to do that. Uh uh sometimes people uh um get a little uh you know shakazula so it's a difference in preference, I guess,
3: you know. Yeah, that's for sure. You know, at that point during all that,
0: man, I was a little worried there when uh, they actually held back seeds and stuff. You couldn't even buy, you know, uh, that kind of stuff there for a minute through all that. And I was really worried at that point. But, you know, we snapped out of things. Humanity snapped out of, I think, pretty well out of that per- pandemic. I was, I was a little worried, but, you know, as we're coming on the downturn, uh, I think we did overall pretty well as, you know,
3: in a nutshell, as a humanity. You
1: know, it's interesting. I know the countries are having another outbreaks and uh, they're having um, major shutdowns. So I don't necessarily say that that will happen again here. I do see other things happening, but you know, again, we've made it through worse times. Um, I do think uh, uh, there's probably a lot that has to do with the amount of people and other, uh, other variances and, and variables that play a factor uh, in the years to come, right? So it's just, it's a never changing story. Ah. Or ever
3: changing, I should say. So, you know, I owe you a little bit of uh, a nod here.
0: You know, uh, when I spoke to you the other day, uh, I had mentioned to you that uh, Joe Petri, Petri, uh, the king of Nepal, had mentioned you in one of his recent uh, interviews, kind of giving you some credit for uh, bringing in the spreading of true genetics in the cannabis industry, uh, giving, you know, proper dues. And well, one of the things he's been talking a lot about uh, was light schedule, you know, us using too much light and it being a ruse for all this time. Uh, But you brought that up almost a year and a half ago. You were talking about that on the show that we were running our lights too long. Uh, So what is it? You're obviously still on the boat about that. And well, one of the things he's saying is uh, unless unless we adopt uh, some type of a lighting schedule changed, uh, a lot of these growers trying to get into the industry just won't make it. You know what I mean? They're overpaying for power and it's such a big overhead. They should be be smarter in using a a more photoperic uh, lighting schedule.
1: I think it's really important, and I think if people take a look at the impact that a one one thousand watt has on the environment, a one one thousand watt has the footprint uh, and the emissions of a uh, basically. A car uh, going around the whole uh, the whole world um, it puts out a lot a lot of emissions um, and I think if we are saying you know here we are at this plant healing helping whatever almost like in, in the essence of uh, doing a mining for bitcoins or or uh, other mining you're using so much power you're actually harming more than you are helping. When it comes to the environment, the fuel, the source, and the overall impact that we put on the electrical systems. I heard here in the next year or two, California will have to go into pure blackouts. They'll go into blackouts because they don't have enough power. So when we start to look at things of that nature, we're talking about you know, we're, we're, we're supposedly, you know, the, the greatest civilization of all time, you know, and I think a lot of it is, this is kind of, you know, a little heavy, but yet kind of right in the vein, you need to kind of take back and look at how can you reuse alternative and that goes right in with the lights. You know, these new LED lights are great. Uh, um, not all of them are great, but there are some good LED lights. There's also alternative ways to hydrogen fuel, hydrogen power, uh, uh, hydro dams, uh, as well as solars, uh, wind power, and a multitude of other uh, variable um, sources. that I think that we could and we could lead the way, because we use so much, we are consumers of so much power, especially within indoor grows, that we could be kind of the, the go-to, the looked at companies. Um, And that's kind of very interesting to think that all these years we've been kind of looked at as the taboo company, as the you know cannabis now is said you know we're it's a it's cool it's the the uh, the in thing to get into cannabis now and you know these big uh, uh, companies that are joining and joining forces, the big MSOs, you know not all of them are bad. I don't think that they're the the big evil, but also at the same time there needs to be a room. So other companies can grow. I think the biggest thing is when you uh, uh, look at, and that's the cost, the lights and everything as we're talking about even, that (laughs) when you make it, the playing field is so difficult and the finances to engage in business are so above the average uh, uh, business holder, the ones that really, frankly, were individuals that started the industry that have been I hate to say it in a lot of ways, they've been pushed out uh, because of the high-end cost. These MSOs, for an example, here in New York, which I understand again to a certain point, business is business, but you know, 25, 30, 40 million dollars for a license, just for the license, that seems a little unfair, you know, to the average person. It's like they it should have allowed the average person to spend maybe a million, two million bucks, which I think is quite reasonable for five of those licenses and then let the other, t- uh, the other five battle it out for 50, 100 million. They can afford it. They have the money, but allow at least someone the availability. So that's the one thing about cost, especially electricity as we started the conversation about what and the, the importance of finding a light and also when opening up a business, especially if it's a growing business or you're a large extraction, where you're going to be using a lot of wattage and power. You really want to, before you even purchase that building, look at the county, city, state, country. What are they selling that power to you at? Because it might just cost you right out of doing business before you even open your business, but you never even took a look to find out. Because in some cases, you're talking 20 cents difference in a a kilowatt of power. That could make or break a mom and pop company right off the bat how are you trimming your uh, cannabis? Uh, When you get big enough and you're doing a massive grows, it's just almost impossible to do a hand trim to be able to get the product out fast enough to be able to now have a turnaround because you're paying so much labor and cost. So there's a multitude of factors.
0: That's uh, definitely for sure. I've never really thought about, you know, looking as far as like, how you're going to trim and stuff like that. I think a lot of us get caught up in our ways and think it will just scale up <laughs> as we do, but sometimes it doesn't. You know, sometimes uh, it is more,
3: more time-consuming and cost-consuming than we initially thought. You know, I think a lot of us can relate. Four lighter, six lighter, 10
1: lighter, 20 lighter you know, your garage kind of starter kit. Okay, great. Now, how are you going to ramp that up to where you might have 50, 60, 70, 100 rooms? Each room has 50 lights. in it. And then through those 50 lights, you'd have a mother, veg, and clone room. How will you rotate those plants in fast enough to be able to have either a daily, uh, a weekly, or bi-weekly crop? You have enough rooms to be able to do that and rotate it in. At the same time, you want to be able to have those fully automated onto racks and rolling systems that allow from interchanging and interlocking from one room to the other. All set it and forget it so it's in drips and systems and it's going. Then at the end, you just roll the tray out, actually cut the cannabis off immediately onto rollers and racks that onto another whole rolling system while then the bed rolls out tilts out and dumps out, and then you go back again. You never really physically have to ever load or do anything because everything's automated. And then while you're doing that, the cannabis is done and stride in a a perfect uh, room with temperature, humidity, and and fans and things of that nature in a proper time, and then cured. Once it's cured properly, you have the availability to do it fresh and or uh, frozen. Depends on where what, what what you're making, and then from there using those machines, the machines that could actually not only trim it, make the keef, and then then when you're done, take out the material, and now you can make water hash in the in the exact same uh, uh, cleaning uh, machine that you have. Thus, being able to trim 450 pounds a day with two people make 45 pounds of keef. And at the same time, being able to, once you're done with that, then turn in and make 40 pounds of water hash. But with two people
2: in one day. So
1: that's when you start to look at how you're going to be able to ramp up and and, and, and trim. So if you're in a market, let's, let's say as New York, that cannabis can go probably for 400 I mean, excuse me, 4,000, let's say a pound. That's one uh, uh, at, at 450, that's two, uh, uh, that's six, that's uh, $1,620,000 uh, a day that it can trim. It also can make almost a half million dollars in Keefe and a half million dollars in Rogers. So at the end of the day, you're trimming and producing material with two people once you're done that has about a $2.3 million value a day with
2: two people.
0: That's pretty impressive. Is that the uh, the resonator uh, machine that you're speaking of?
1: Yeah, the original resonator, uh-huh.
3: Sounds like a pretty incredible machine, all in all. Yeah,
1: to be two people working 24 hours a day, three shifts,
2: and away you go.
0: Now, last time we spoke, uh, you kind of was saying there, you know, once you move up, at some point you do lose a little bit of that craft, and you were saying that Came between somewhere between the the 100 and the 500 light grow there. You still think that's true, or do you? Has your opinion changed in the last uh, year, year and a half?
1: Well, I think what I was referring to, and I've always thought this, is that I have a hundred thousand square foot grow room. Okay, great. None of the rooms
2: will be bigger than a thousand square foot. And that's how I do it. And once you do that, you can create,
1: if you did it on that level, you probably have to realize that out of that 100,000 square foot for zoning, planning, drying, curing, break rooms, bathrooms, and other uh, ancillary. to that 100,000 square foot you're probably going to end up no more than 60,000 square foot of actually canopy space, the rest will be all the other ancillaries that have to be done on a legal grow. You have to have all this you know city planning and zoning and blah 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 blah, blah, blah. exit plan yeah. site plan. I'm sure you've seen it or heard other friends or people talk about it's it's quite an in depth uh, rfp and uh, sometimes it could be two or 3000 pages. Of uh, material. A lot of it's jargon, a lot of it's rules, regulations, but it has to be quoted and put into your uh, plan in order for it, it to be accepted.
2: So.
0: So what made you, uh, other than uh, choose New York instead of Oklahoma, when we last time we talked, you know, both were on the horizon there. Uh, What made you choose New York? I mean, the last time we spoke, you were you were still kind of in limbo uh, in New Orleans, if
3: I remember right. You were uh, still kind of figuring out where you were going to head.
1: Yeah. Yeah. um... (laughs) I'm. I
2: think um, for me personally, Oklahoma,
1: as much as it was the place for about a year or two, it really uh, uh, got overrun by just so many different groups of people and uh, different uh, companies. New York, much more um,
2: kind of in a, uh, uh, in a systematic
1: controlled system that will allow for literally this market, there there, there is no really other market like this market when it comes to the sure volume and the amount of people that show up here. The overall citizen of New York and their thirst for cannabis is just like really, you know, a, a California, a Colorado, um, maybe a Miami, a Las Vegas. It's it's just it's insane. And the market for the next minimum five years, once it's fully operating, it might take two years
2: for it to be fully operating. I think will be it's going to be the largest market in the world the most attractive,
1: the most money being made, the most advancement. And then it's in my, my, my game is a, a three to five year run. And put all the pieces together and and dump it to one of the MSOs. When I say dump it, really uh, uh, leaving uh, our brand as far as being able to monetize our brand through a licensing once we sell everything, that's our goal. I see that really being the biggest advantage here being in New York, kind of more than any other place, which is, I think, an obvious. The sure volume of people and advertising. I just don't see any other place. Of course, when other states, Colorado, Washington, when the became legal and things happened. That was a great opportunity. And, and of course, the world was like woo woo and poo poo. But let's be honest, there's about three, four really, really just tour destinations in Colorado. And if you like to go around with the buffalo and, and uh, uh, ride a bike or, or do those things, and you should go to Colorado then. Grab your skis and you have a great time. But you want to be, get down a party like Rick James and have the greatest time of your life? You're going to show up to New York, yo. I'm not going to no hillbilly, backwards ass Colorado. I'm sorry. That's just, and I love country and I love that shit, but that's just dumb. It's old. It's bye bye. Get out of here. Who the hell is going to waste your time in Colorado? Nobody. Nobody. Um, and the only time that you are going to go there is maybe to go to the wintertime and you're going to go to the ski resorts or you're going to go the summer and you're going to go for a biking, whatever. But other than that, <clears throat> yo, sorry. And it's where the action's at. It's the pulse of our country. New York, uh, uh, LA, uh, Miami, Las Vegas. That's the pulse of our country. Again, those Western states, they led the way when it came to the legalization. And thank you. You set the bar. You put it open. But now, you're you're has-been. You're, you're done. You're, you're like nothing. Bye-bye. You're, you're a nobody. It's real talk. Anyone in the game knows. <laughs> Colorado's just about a nobody state now. Washington, like a nobody state. Oregon, a nobody state. California, a nobody state. Sorry, nobodies anymore. And the reason that they did is that they all got too cocky. They thought they were someone. At the end of the day, they became a nobody, and now their businesses are failing. 90% of the businesses are failing in those four states, 90%. But they, were the, but they were the ones, and they were the cocky ones, and they wanted to run around like they were somebody. Now they're nobodies. That's what happens when you get too cocky, and then the reality of the world, because you ain't the champ. You can't be the champ for
2: 24-7. And you got to remember to be humble while you're the champ.
1: Because if not, someone's going to beat your ass and then you're going to look stupid. So it's learning to be respectful. It's learning to be real of the real expectations of real business. For so long and so so much, (laughs) cannabis was taboo for the real world. Cannabis was taboo for a suit and tie. Cannabis was because I could go to jail. Where the other guys that would say, well, I don't care if I go to jail. Those are the people that are leading the way. And it wasn't until finally, you know, the laws changed. And then all of a sudden it became the chic, the cool thing to do. I like, I always give people all the time. I remember uh, a lot of times you go to college, all of a sudden you got one of your buddies that's in college. You're, you're pounding the pavement, getting your school books and everything's great. And you puff a little bit. You might take a little bit of ecstasy. You might do a little blow blow. You might even drink, but great. But, you know, you're you're on a straight and narrow to get your degree, to get your job, you know, to get the married, the white picket fans, live that dream. Okay, great. But all along, Susie or Jimmy over there that was selling and it was being a rock star and ended up becoming like Rick James was selling and being a happy guy and making money and doing the fame and the game. And you're like, you're always kind of a little jealous, always a little bummed out. And now all of a sudden. Now, all of a sudden, because the wife was on you, too, but, you know, pounding out, you can't do it. Don't do it, Jimmy. Don't do it. You're going to ruin our house, Jimmy. And um, so the next thing you know, now it's legal. And now, all of a sudden, you get to be cool. But what you did was, is for all those years, you didn't have to hide necessarily because you had a regular job. And if you did good in your regular job, you made enough money. And now look what you're going to do. you get to come into the cannabis industry that, your buddy, J- Jimmy and Billy, that, you know, was being a rock star. But you don't really know fully the whole game. You don't fully understand, if you will. I was explaining to some executives. It's like, I really believe when you get, come into the CEO of a cannabis company, and if you've never grown, never extracted, never sold any pounds, never did any interstate trafficking or any, in, any country uh, uh, trafficking, how, how, if when the shit hits the fan, are you gonna jump off from the top of your perch and come down and get your hands dirty? You're not. So if you look at it, that from the standpoint, you're actually the worst hire that your company could have done from the get-go. They failed the first day they hired the CEO. Whoa. And that's 95 to 99% of the whole cannabis industry are failures. And they're failures because you put, which now everyone understand this. You can put the college guy there, but if you don't put Rick James next to the college guy, for all those that don't know, I'm Rick James. And if you don't put Rick James next to the college grad, and then you team them together, the same will be if you take a grower, right here, and then you take the grower instead of disrespecting them and not paying them, which ninety nine percent of you do. You disrespect us. Then you go and you go hire some horticulture ding-ding. Now, the horticulture ding-ding is great. He can tell you about the fertilizer mixes, the pHs, the PPMs, the ZVBs, and the DDDs. Great. Come on and grow some doobies with me, bro. You have no clue. You'd have your finger up your nose picking nuggets for days. And then you expect those people to go in and grow? No. A good company would go get the horticulturist. the botanist and put them with someone like me and the same thing would be for the extraction you'd go get a compound scientist they would come in he knows all the fractionals defractionals and then you put them with me breaking bad and me and then the guy we make the yummy but you got to learn to understand because that teaches all of your executives And as well, the other people, how they both have to mesh together. That's the failure of the industry today. You've got these guys that wanna have all these degrees and tell you that they know everything. You know a number. You know how to take the widget and the gidget and put it into the box, calculate it out and ship it out. You might know how to market it and put it in a box. Great. Do you know how to make the product that goes in the box? No, that's a big problem. That's a huge problem. And that's the failure of the cannabis industry. You got a bunch of college grads that want to be like Jimmy and Sue because that's cool now, but they were never cool. You didn't break the laws. You didn't, you know, you didn't do what you had to do. So how do we fix that? I really believe that you start to go and you train, you pull these CEOs and everything, and you bring them into the dirt and ground right at their companies. They have a continuing education program throughout their company and it allows for the people that are in the dirt and the the ground to be able to elevate them into the CEOs of the company. And And it evaluates all people. So with the commonality of what we're doing, you said, you touched on it earlier, it's about farming, it's about community, and it's about growth. And if you don't know how to do them and work together, your company will never be successful. <laughs> and to end is that, you can look at all these publicly traded companies, a majority, I would say, you know, I like to use you know numbers, you know these aren't factual, but I think they're very close. And that's statistically that about 80% of the cannabis companies are losing money, are losing money. They're losing money because again, you put a college graduate into a breaking bad position. You need breaking bad with the college grad. If you don't have that, you're never going to win. You, I don't care that you can go to the True Leaf, the Crescos, you can go to all these companies. Let's, they wanna play real with the public. They wanna play real with money. Open up your books. You're all losing money. You're losing hundreds, if not billions of dollars a year. But supposedly you're the biggest, biggest what? Failure? You're the failure because you don't listen to the fucking breaking bad people. We made this game and we still are making it today. We're going to show you how to do it in the way that it was supposed to be done from the beginning. Most of them like to steal ideas, advance nutrients. Looks like they just stole one of my ideas. But those are what they do. Companies like that, they need to steal. They need people like us. Because without us, they're nobodies. They want to front that they are, but they're fronting on other people's ideas. They're fronting on other people's business models. And it's easy when you have a lot of money to do that. You can you can make up stories. I mean, you know, the greatest publications of making stories. I mean, you know, so it's, it's factual. Uh, You know, iTimes Magazine, uh, you pay enough money, you're gonna get a story. Skunk Magazine, pay enough money, you're gonna get a story. Cannabis Culture, pay enough money, you're gonna get a story. It's not um, true um, journalism, it's it's plagiarism and fakeness uh, because there's no accountability for the stories that you're writing. Who went and did the research to prove this story? You just wrote the story. If you're not going to go factually prove it, or or print something on your website, or print something somewhere, <clears throat> and you and you want to go out, you because if you you have a dislike or you have something uh, of someone, th- these are the things that the cannabis industry, you know, needs to uh, uh, figure it out. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's got a, it's got a long ways to 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 kind of police itself, and at the end, people that are smart enough, you know. I would say this, that you could probably read Again, a number, you know, uh, online, 60, 70 percent of what you're reading is, you know, someone's one side of a story that really has not, again been uh, gone through. There's no proof to the story. It's just a story, and I just wish sometimes people would, you know, understand that there's a much more than just reading a story and then that's what it is it's factual well it's factual to that person it's factual to that article but is it really factual and and the chances of it are it's probably not so i just went on a rant right there about good factual information and reporting i think it's really important so easy to mislead the public you know
3: I completely agree. You know, that's one of the things that uh, cannabis has been so draw, pushed underground
0: for so long. It's nice that, that people like yourself, uh, Mr. Petri, uh, that people that were there that were helped push this industry to where it is now are able to actually come out and on the record uh, set a lot of this stuff straight, you know, because. I think we've been misled in a lot of different ways. uh, Where things have came from, you know, and like you said, some stories have been told and not kind of necessarily been looked into or rebutted, you know what I mean? Uh, The other side of the coin, basically. Uh, So it's nice to hear, you know, firsthand from a lot of these folks so we can, you know, start to piece together you know, some of the real factual background of the cannabis industry.
1: I think like anything, it's just facts checking, digging deep. If it's really important to you and you really want to know, um, you know, one person can tell you the story. That, again, that's their version. Or if you ever heard that before, a story can be told and, uh, uh, and there could be 100 people in the room. And the crazy part about it is but it's just our human nature. You might get 100 version of, the, of that story. But one person told the group of 100 people, The 100 people told almost a similar, but yet a different version. Uh, That's the way we do it. We have a way of being able to talk to people. We have a way of communicating to people. Uh, All of us do. And when we hear a story, uh, depending on how you are, how you talk, or how you express yourself, that then could be a whole nother, like, I could get really excited and tell a story, and I'm like, "Oh my God, it was unbelievable! There was a warfare, and I people were like, out. Oh, it was—you should have seen it. It was just crazy—all because I got excited, was just telling a story uh, and being animated. But that other person now took it that there was a whole war going on. Huh. You know, it's—it's it's amazing how we, as people, we interpret one's facial expressions, hand expressions. Or just overall expression of us speaking. Um, I, I tend to watch a lot of people, um, even if I'm maybe not even in their conversation. I could be, you know, over here, but I'm I'm watching people because it seems to me within their hands and their actions and their facial expressions, you really could. I think I do personally. I, I seem to be able to you know, make someone up, understanding, you know, what's going on, or if I, if I needed to, or I was thinking that I want to, I get a vibe from people from those type of movements or that type of uh, uh, communication. Uh, And it's unique, because I think it says a lot about people, and especially the individual, Uh, when they're doing said movements, facial hands, talking gestures. um, It just, I don't know, maybe that might, might be a little bit too much, but it definitely is very unique when dealing or meeting with people to try to figure out how to approach them. You know, I think everyone, um, sometimes you get into a certain group or a certain way, um, maybe it's a, a little uncomfortable suit and tie type of environment, uh, let's say, and you're coming more from a just casual coming into there of feeling how these people might accept or talk to you so all learning process right
2: all learning process
0: it is it is a, always a learning process uh body language does say a lot about people i think a lot of times people discredit <laughs> that their actions like it doesn't matter but
3: there's a people's actions do say a lot about them as they're speaking um, for sure right so another thing you uh, it's nice to see that uh
0: again you you walk it like you talk it you know the last time you were here you were saying the same kind of thing there that uh if you if you wanted to be successful in this industry, you had to basically get in, get the fuck out. That was your advice, and it sounds like you're you're following your own plan there, to you know, kind of get something going and uh, kind of get out. Uh, basically, um, you were again one of the I I don't myself included. I never really thought about it until we had spoke and you kind of spoke of, you know, hey, things might be good, might be great now, but there is federal legalization still looming above us that may reset us all. You know what I mean? We may be all cool now, but we may all have to reset when federal legalization comes through. Uh, Is that something that you're still kind of uh, a little worried about, or do you think they're going to come on board and play fair and kind of adopt state-by-state policies, or, you know, it'll be an easier transition overall?
1: I think uh, um, in the coming years, we, we, we will see it federally legal. I also believe that's what I talk about, the entrance and the exit point. Uh, and their strategy for that because I think that <laughs> the big companies, all of them, from the Nabisco's to the uh, Budweiser's to the Coors to the uh, Coca Cola to the Pepsi's to the however, whatever company you want to talk about that seems to run or is the brands, um, those companies will be the ones that will be at the forefront. They will be servicing. The majority of our nations and our worlds, and once that happens, why not? Like any now, just take you know, step away from the cannabis industry. Look at any business, and then when that business takes off, and then it needs to, and then it goes global. Well, then it gets bought out for billions of dollars, and that's what what we're doing. That's all we're doing. Is is literally just saying okay, and 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 again, you mentioned something. It's so true. We're forging a new, a new time and uh, rules when it comes to dealing with cannabis and the, and the legalization, not only as we speak now federally, but of course each state. As we go forward, this will be, this will be regulated and taxed and controlled, just like alcohol, tobacco, and firearms. It will be mo- every agency in the, in the country, it will be ran from that same uh, 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 throne and that same uh, perch. <laughs> And once that goes into effect, cannabis will be, um, imagine, I mean, even now it's so cheap, but imagine you know going and getting uh, um, an ounce for you know, $25, $50, something like that, where you'll be rolling, it, or pre-rolls will be maybe a little bit more expensive because of the labor, whatever it is to, to roll, whatever. <laughs> but cannabis will be relatively cheap, and then, the high end and the high price will be when we go to the pharmaceutical, nutraceutical, or even edibles or drinks, where we know that you know you can break them down to a tenth of a milligram, and a tenth of a milligram that makes a hundred uh, out of one gram. You know, a hundred out of five bucks. Damn, you just for one gram is five hundred bucks. So all of a sudden now, you've really made a value into the cannabis business. So. That's what I see happening uh, in the in the future.
3: You know you kind of I wish the medical aspect would have of cannabis would have made it
0: coast to coast before the recreational aspect of cannabis. <laughs> hits to be honest with you i think that's going to rob a lot of folks of what we started here with the power of the cultivation side of things i think it once it goes to that route we're all going to kind of be begging to grow or you know i i don't think a lot of us at that point will give it up i think we'll be back to being outlaws but uh
3: it will definitely be something on their agenda to take away
1: you know
2: I like to think of it as um,
1: the availability of not only government, but the powers that are be to do reverse psychology on societies. Um, again, it's, you know your listeners know, you know, but you start off as this subject, this matter, this medicine, and that's exactly what it was. And it was used in a multitude of different layers. But up until that point, 30s, was a medicine. prescribed through doctors, medicines. Some of the leading pharmaceutical companies had patents. So uh, uh, kings and queens, through their doctors, used it. We know. So it's not like it wasn't. Uh, And then all of a sudden, of course, then it's made illegal. A lot like when you could look at how alcohol and prohibition ended. Once it ended, there became then uh, this fine line of individuals that were already doing it illegally that then started their legal companies. Go figure, that's what we're doing here in cannabis <laughs> with a lot of us. <laughs> Where I go, and what I'm saying is that they have, they have a, an availability to almost come at us at a multitude of levels. I think the reality of it is, is that, hey, you guys, a lot of you guys, what it would be is this, we know where we are, say, like, hey, you hippies, you're, you're kind of stoner, you weed-smoking guys, you want your, you want your, you want your thing for medicine? Okay, cool. Uh, we'll go ahead and let you have it for medicine. So but once the medicine happened and then all went into play, once that hit, it was like, wait a minute, you open the door. Once you open the door, now you open the door to moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, and then your loved ones and that was then the the, the hey you got to let them have that then i remember in the 1996 98 99 2000 them said watch this was just their way to break the door open we broke the door open now we have recreational cannabis so as we're breaking the door open you got everyone every time now now listen to this one isn't that what the people wanted well hey now not so many people are getting arrested okay oh well hey now, all of a sudden, you can go and you can go down the store, and you can get your cannabis, great. But hey, guess what? Well, we were all saying, hey, and it was all cool and everything was great, look what the pharmaceutical company did. Look what the treatment programs did. Look at what this did. Well, what they did is they switched over from what the medicines that we have been, the pharmaceutical, the man-made drugs, now just switching back over to what was already used already, what was already known to cure and help and fix. Well, what they've done is they've been able to, in a financial way, basically manipulate the general public. And they get it, you know, not only through propaganda, through news, through a multitude of other layers, then they uh, made laws, Jim Crow law and things of that nature, and, and other laws in our, in our country that prohibited uh, even the research and development of the, of the plant. I just think that sometimes we, as a general public, we forget our history. We forget what had already happened. And then we are shocked as to what is happening when it already happened, it already was in front of you. It's like, well, we gotta do some more research on cannabis. What research did you wanna do? Because uh, in the 1944, Uh, We knew it it helped uh, uh, epilepsies and seizures. Prior to any, uh, 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 in the 1930s, up until the 1937, it was prescribed, it was put in every doctor's bag. Uh, Lilly, Pfizer, American, Johnson & Johnson all had patents on tinctures, elixirs. They mixed it with heroin. They mixed it with opium. They mixed it with, well, heroin, opium. They mixed it with uh, cocoa, uh, cocaine, and THC. So again, it's, it's like we're, we're supposed to like all of a sudden we've, we've cracked a new code. No, we've had the code since the 1800s when it comes to with O'Shaughnessy's and other written uh, uh, publications that have talked about cannabis since the 18, I think like the 1860s, the 1870s and its medical benefits and they call it the Indian hemp. Um, but anyways, it, it, there's just so much information that sometimes I think gets just pushed under the rug. Like all of a sudden we have found so much new information. It's mind boggling. What that you pulled your head out of your ass and that you actually did some research to know that it's been there, uh, um, for almost 200 years, but okay, that's great. Thank you so much. You know, it's kind of funny to me. I mean, I, I think it's almost laughable.
3: At a certain point, it is somewhat laughable. I think at that point, right,
0: they're just discovering, you know, the relationship, how it works in the body. They're not necessarily desc- rediscovering it as a medicine. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. So, I- and on that kind of same note that you know we we talk about medical cannabis all the times and certain strains being able to help certain ailments uh my, one of my worries has always been kind of uh once it goes recreational it'll be weaned down to a few strains but then i listen to people like yourself they say hey it's only fucking four strains <laughs> anyway, basically, it all stems from you know what I mean, so <clears throat> is it is there such a thing as individual strains? How do you feel about the breeding of cannabis, and will it, i guess will it slim down with legal legalization? Do you think the the budweisers and that will no longer try to breed out? they'll just concentrate on a few
1: I think that. <laughs> There's always gonna be like a, a taste, a palate, like buying wine when it comes to individuals, medically,
4: uh,
1: recreational. So I do think that the continuing breeding of genetics will always happen. But I also believe, as you said, that really it, the core of other genetics, it's five genetics that really seem to be the staple of what's going on today heard the rumblings of a lot of different people wanting to bring out a lot of the older genetics and starting to bring back a lot of the land races and things of that nature. So that could be really kind of a a opening up Pandora's box, if you will, just the unknown, but yet so many good just gems ready ready to be
2: uh, redeveloped and and reseen. And finally,
1: I think that in, in, in the coming years, you're gonna see a lot of uh, growing, I think in the lab, I think uh, when it comes to like other alternative ways of growing instead of the actual plant like yeast or other uh, alternative ways to be able to create the actual THC itself. So I think you're gonna see that coming into play. And then finally, and I think it's going to play a big part, and it's going to be almost like a mixologist, an individual that's going to be able to come in and say, Well, you have said disease, and out of that said disease, you need, out of the endocannabinoids, you need X amount of CBN, X amount of CBG, X amount of THCB, X amount of THC, and such and such, and isolate a treatment program for you specifically. And that's what I think we're, we're coming to. And that's why I think we've seen this almost separation of saying, hey, wait a minute, these clubs, these social clubs, um, as much as yes, the SDR in, in one aspect, giving you medicine, they don't have the credentials to do that. So let's make a separation of the two. And now you can capitalize, and then we're back to now that capitalization of finances. And now you've taken what one gram would cost Two, three, five dollars, ten
2: dollars now cost five hundred dollars. I mean what does that do? I think it makes one pound like worth a quarter million dollars.
3: So I just kind of, I giggle a little bit, and I agree with you, though, you know, I, cannabis
0: will come to uh, a custom blend, as you're kind of speaking of, when they break it down and see what each compound does, and they'll be able to kind of interview you, oh, what's all your ailments, We'll, we'll, we'll be able to dial this in. I I giggle, I giggle just because if I think if the medical system would do that for you pretty much now, (laughs) we've eliminated a lot of need for medicine, period. If your doctor, if you went to your doctor right now and they went, All right, you know, let's take a look at you. You went in and said, Oh, I'm not feeling well. And they went, Okay let's take a look at you. What, what, what do you have in your system? You know what I mean? Let's check your blood. Oh, you're deficient on these vitamins. You need a little bit of this here. Here's my, my vitamin concoction for you. You know what I mean? Or eat these foods, come back in a week. And then, you know, it, things aren't all right, we'll, we'll, we'll try something out at that point. I think we wouldn't need a lot of the medicines that we, you know what I mean? If we took that same cannabis outlook and just took it medically, I think we'd avoid a lot of problems in general, yep. to be honest. With you. I agree. So uh, I guess How is, uh, as far as genetics go and somebody that's kept past and kept things straight for a very long time with cannabis, uh, how do you see yourself with genetics and moving forth in the biz? I see, you know, obviously you have some other irons in the fire, you know, but is genetics always going to be something that uh, you're moving forward with?
1: Yes, it will be, and I
2: think that's the one thing that we have
1: been the most consistent at over the years is staying the growing, staying with the genetics, and once we have established our business here in New York, we're hoping, as I said, to eventually break off into a licensing company where Apothecary just does licensing now with the genetics. And this will be in the next three to five years. Where now the brand itself, Apothecary, and the genetics are just placed now into said establishment, at like a, a Coca Cola or Pepsi at uh, AMPM or 7 Eleven. That's how
2: we'd like to be able to be that same way. And just have our genetics sold through a licensing fee. That's our big goal, but
1: I do, excuse me, I do believe the genetics are playing more and more significant, especially as far as taste, smell, turpins, and things of that nature. People are really developing a nose, developing a, a, a palate, a taste of what they like, a smell. And I think we can all agree that cannabis has so many factors of why you like it, uh, especially your personal relationship. Smell, taste, high, not high. Again, multiple factors. So I think genetics will always be
2: our, our number one main
3: That's awesome. Uh, you know, one thing that you kind of mentioned earlier was like, uh,
0: producing thc meats and stuff like that uh is i think that's part of the you kind of mentioned to where we will be able to break it down into into individual uh uh elements there but i don't think that uh that's the whole thing to be honest with you i think medically I think we're losing a lot of what cannabis has to offer as we THC just becomes the main concern, to be honest with you. I
3: think that's where- I think,
1: Yep, uh-huh. That's, uh, I think I've seen that in the last few
2: years as one of the big, is it a point of, a point of uh,
1: people really like hitting home to be like, hey, you know, it's not all about the THC. Uh, 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 a lot of the times it's more about the entourage and the multitude of other endocannabinoids that are in the actual terpenes, um, CBNs, CBGs, CBCs, TCVs, TCAs. And again, so many different variables to those combinations. And I think each, <coughs> in a very unique way has something to benefit or something to offer each person because we have a different uh, uh, makeup. Some are similar, of course, but we are our individual in that, in that kind of a thread. We, we, we stand alone. Um, and I think cannabis has a way to be able to match that relationship and help you um, especially if done right, not, not abusing.
3: Right. So. I think you're absolutely right on it, having an individual, uh, relationship. And I think
0: as a lot of people talk about, I think that does come through mainly through Terps, you know, uh, I'm a firm believer in, you know, plant medicine, homeopathic medicine, stuff like that. And as I learn more and more uh a native approach to it, you know what I mean? As like a using plants as more like a spirit medicine, you know, I think that's what the relationship we have with cannabis, as we, you know, look it over and smell jars and become more and more uh aware of different turf profiles. I think as you snip them jars, you make that relationship with it. You know what I mean? You've you've made that handshake. Yes, this is the one, basically. It calls out to you. This is the one I'm gonna work for you. And I think that's the relationships kind of built through TERPs, not necessarily THC numbers that they're forced to choose by. Again, I think that's where we'll be lacking again in the, the recreational market. When people are trying to go for <laughs> medical reasons, that's what they're being pushed towards constantly is THC to numbers and they're not even able, most times, to be able to uh, smell their cannabis. And they're just, again, presented with a bunch of numbers that are just confusing
3: to them. You know what I mean? We've lost that, that handshake.
2: Yeah, that's so true. So true.
0: So uh, do you have anything uh, new or uh, what are you having to offer on your website as far as genetics go?
1: Uh, in the coming months, um, we'll be doing a lot of reading here in New York, um, but we'll probably get started here Probably by October, I think. Um, and then our first uh, genetics should they will be F1s, um, and they will come out. probably by the new year of 2023, and we'll have probably two new genetics that we'll be putting out, doing mostly testing. But I think we're we'll, we're gonna have some nice gems. I definitely do. And then we have we we're, we're really excited. We have so many. <laughs> Um, we're working with a group that has upwards of 2000 genetics, um, under uh, their catalog and a lot of the old school land races and things of that nature. So we're really excited about kind of cracking uh, on the egg,
2: if you will. <clears throat>
0: 2000 uh, genetics. Wow. That's a, that's quite the library there. Uh, did you mm-hmm. ever think you'd be there from, you know, where you started, the few strains that you that you started with back in the day? Did you think that we'd be coming towards a, a day where you'd be working with
3: 2,000
0: different cultivars?
3: You know, I
1: can't I can't say that I ever thought that even be possible. Um, I think it's going to be really unique. I think you'd be able to select that. I mean, you, you could take, you know, five lifetimes to go through that stuff. So, but it will be unique. Uh, like I told some of the people, I'm like, I'd just love to do a huge sea of green at one time, do all two thousand, and you know, categorize them as a, you know, sativas,
2: hybrids and indicas. But To have that many to smoke at one time, wow. That's the way to do it.
3: That would be nice to have a a, a jar collection of
0: 2,000 different strains to work your way through. And we both know it wouldn't be a 2,000. That would just be the end game. It would take you many, many jars to work it down to the... (laughs) <laughs> right <laughs> That two thousand. Holy cow.
3: Yeah, that'd be insane. Right? Can't, can be store dream.
2: Yeah.
0: So do you have any advice for uh anybody out there that's still willing to uh To make some claim into the cannabis uh, community industry, I hate the industry (laughs) word because I know it's two different
4: things.
0: (laughs) You know,
2: I would definitely when you are
1: making your business plan or your idea, know first your demographic, which is you know kind of an old cliche. But more than that, I think I may even said it last time and said, I think we're to a point that people understand basic growing or extraction or <laughs> even cooking for that matter. But we, you may, and, and, and they may want to really look at themselves as much as, well, my, mama pops, are, I'm, I'm financing this, I'm doing that, great. But when you start out and you think that you need to do everything and you are building a product like everyone else, and there's so much product, and that's where we're at right now, people can't sell their product because they didn't line up the sales before they finished the product. And the product itself is not going to sell itself. It just it doesn't work that way. Just like anything else, you're going to have to get out there and hustle and, and do everything. So my biggest um, word of advice is, is to have everything gone, have have your individual, if it's one little bit or however
2: many little bit, um, that's what it needs to be. So, that's it.
0: What about to uh, cannabis in general? You know, as somebody that's taken this plan a very long ways, uh, how do you feel about the way it is you know, the overall overlook of cannabis today and where would any advice for how we take it in the future?
1: I think we just need to really, like, again, be very appreciative of the people before us, look at some of the things that they did, how we got here, and then not forget. Because none of us really are, really were, the, for, the, for the time being, you could be the king keeper. What does that mean? you were b- b- bestowed other genetics, you got other genetics, you were lucky enough to breed some genetics, however it was, but you really didn't create really much of anything. What you did was, is you are the keeper and then now you are the distributor of, uh, uh, with, the, with the blessings. That's what we are. We're, we're, we're uh, as uh, individuals that are growing or individuals that are helping <laughs> with genetics and we're putting them out there. <laughs> is to remember the people who were before us to give thanks uh, to let people know. It's okay it's not, It's you don't have to be ashamed that there were other people before us that laid a lot of the track work that did a lot of the work. It's okay to, to, to let everyone know and uh, their name in their, in that support. so that's something that I think
2: is one of the number one things to keep our Our our
1: business, our economy, our our how we do things, you know can can really affect the overall business. So anyways, I think that's really
2: important. Really, really important
0: You were incredibly humbled last time we spoke, but you seem even more so humbled now. Can I ask what
3: uh, what's changed in the last? since we spoke? You know,
1: it is, it's so e- it's so easy to, you know, uh, make statements or make fun of or uh, be disrespectful to people. It's almost easier than it is to actually take the time to look at someone, uh, uplift them, uh, be more motivated, uh, uh, motivational, if you will, in your statements. So for me, I think I'm just
2: getting to a point in life that
1: think about kind of what I'm saying, how I'm saying it, who I'm saying it to, the volume that I'm saying it in, um, sometimes doesn't have to be uh, a disrespect or a or or belittling other people. So I'm trying to find ways that <clears throat> I can use my voice or my platform to try to find the positive. And sometimes it's difficult. Uh, and I'm not trying to say I've you know Gandhi or something, because that's not that's not true either. But really finding that ability to understand that if it's really out of my control, it's really out of my It's out of my zone. How much do I really commit to uh, that as far as anger, hostility, or even a a care into that situation? I think a lot of people can um, relate to this. All of a sudden, you could be on Instagram, you could be on Facebook, you could be on TV. And then an article or a news report comes out. And it's very uh,
2: just so much drama but
1: you get sucked into it and then all of a sudden you make a comment right or you get an opinion or you get an instant um could be bad could be could could be wrong whatever but my point is is that it's again a human nature and that's something that I've been trying to work on is that it doesn't matter you could be driving down the street look at someone and then you have a you have an opinion about it or they could, or or you're watching TV and then that person made one, they said the I the wrong way. And now they're the motherfucker. But for what? Why? Because they said I that way. But we don't realize how we project and how we instantly make this impression about this other person. Well, what you just did without you even realizing, you just judge that person. So I had to start to stop to say, hey, wait a minute. You, I mean, you could, you could do that if you want, but you'll constantly be battling yourself internally. Because what you've done is you've set up for some reason, am I better? Am I bigger? Do I do it better? Do I do it? Oh, they, do they do it wrong? Well, look how stupid they are. Look at how dumb they are. Look at how what they do. So you're self-justifying it in yourself. And you're doing it internally. And and, and by that internally, you're judging and you're passing judgment on other people. And I think every last human being is guilty of it hundreds of times a day. And we don't take the time to stop and, and analyze ourselves from the in, 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 in inability, um, the lack of self-confidence, the inability to make you accountable for your own actions, internal actions again. Most of them are internal because uh, if they were external, shit, people would probably be killing people every, I mean, it'd be just, people would be dying everywhere. So, and And we don't, and we don't do that. So that's what I've been finding. I've been finding a way to be able to release my inner ego, my inner insecurities, and try to find a way to uplift the other person to make them feel better. Um, to end is that it's so much better to have uh, uh, people around you that are happy uh, and want to see that might be it as well as that surrounding yourself with people that have that same type of mentality, that they're not there necessarily to try to take from you, but they're there to gain and you are as well from each other. So I, I've really just focused a lot on that. Again, a few weeks ago, I got a little shouting match on, on, on Facebook with Uh, Some people from Skunk Magazine. And in so many ways, I would have been nice to have been able to just uh, be more uh, appropriate with the way that I addressed the situation. And again, just like everyone else, I'm human and I let my emotions override my, you know, behind. And at the end of the day, I did look at it as how I was speaking to (laughs) a female. And then, you know, realizing that, well, wow, you know, Brett, you've got three daughters and, you know, uh, significant others in in your life that are women. And, you know, why would you why would you feel it was okay to talk to someone? You know, and then it's, again, somehow thinking that I'm bigger or better or I've done this or, or I haven't done whatever it is. And then you're realizing that. There's no need to do that. I didn't, I didn't uh, uh, accomplish anything. Um, Really, if anything, I made maybe other women look at me like, damn, that guy's got an anger problem, you know, and so hindsight is always uh, really easy to kind of, what if I, have or what if I didn't, or what if I should have, or whatever, but the reality of it is, is taking responsibility for it, and how about just don't do it, so that's kind of my model man I've been just really trying to
2: work with that
3: You know uh, and I see that to be honest with you and that's what I, well, that's why I
0: mentioned it because the last time we spoke, you know any, anything that uh, was counterpoint, you know what I mean that you spoke of, you always stopped and said something nice about you know whoever you were speaking of you know, to keep it on a positive level and um, to wish the best for them. And and again, you know, even if you had something to say, you still wish them the best. And it seemed like even you've came a hundred, you know, a mile away from the last gentleman I talked to, you know, as far as being more humble, you can see it. You can see you've came a long way, my friend. it's very respectable yeah my hat's off to you i hope i hope i can have that outlook to be honest with you uh very much very much sometime soon you know life teaches us new new moments every day and I, i i greatly respect your outlook
1: it really does and it's like listen it's a work in progress every single day i think you and anyone go through our daily routines we go through our lives ups and downs it really is depending on how one takes those circumstances good or bad and then applies them to their lives without affecting not only one's life but the people around you because those people are the ones that are going to be with you and living with you and if you're in a in a position a mindset that is not only negative, but it's constantly looking for this failure and never looking at yourself as someone that can succeed or, or be with groups of people that succeed. It's, it's very uh, hard to find peace with that. And so that's something again, that constantly telling yourself that you are the, the beginning and end what it does is it starts with you and ends with you. Your choice is that, hey, well, I don't like it. Well, you don't like it, Well, then when are you gonna change it so that you like it? You're setting the tone already by your choice and your actions. You put that into action, I don't like it. So what don't you like about it? I don't like the sound. You get away from the sound. You are now the problem. But instead of you addressing the problem, you continue to make the problem worse. So the, from the beginning, you had the choice. You chose to be the problem, but you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have looked at it that way. You would have continued to be angry and not fix your problem.
2: But yet, how simple is that? But how difficult you walk. Just sit around and watch people. Watch them.
1: They're fucking mind humping the side of their head, yo. And you're like, what the fuck are you doing? But yet you and me are those same people and I've done the exact same thing. But it was about how many more times do I want to keep on banging my head on that concrete when it was me that was doing it the whole time. All what I had to do is finally admit that I was cheating myself or I wasn't fully accepting responsibility and to move forward to gain that knowledge is to look in the mirror and tell me that I was the one that failed. See, it's very difficult. It's almost impossible for most of us to look in the mirror and go, bro, you, 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 you fucked up. You, you, you fucked up. So what are you going to do about it? Oh, well, Susie, you know, because Susie stepped in my way, I had to knock her over. Well, no, you were probably in a rush and you were going so fast, you didn't have time to slow down. So really, Susie, yes, was at the wrong place at the wrong time. But you, you aren't accepting any of the responsibility of how Susie went down. You're only blaming Susie because Susie was at the wrong place at the wrong
2: time. Did you ever stop
1: to wonder why you were going so fast and that if you were going the regular speed, you would have never fucked up Susie?
2: But it's all Susie's fault,
1: right? So it's those type of things that we don't really fully grasp that we have to take that responsibility. And again, it's not like I've got the winning answer and do this all the time because I don't, That's a, that'd be a lie. But what I do try to do is to, to make attempts, to do the best I can, that when I see myself go too far or I'm going down a road of a place of almost misery, of being disrespectful, dishonorable, or somehow making myself bigger when I'm just the same as everyone else, right? I just might do it in such a way that you you, have a, a, you inspire, or, or I inspire you, or that uplifts you great. I am no different than anyone else. I just maybe I found a better way that, or a way, better way for me, but a better way that might, you might go fuck, I like that. I'm gonna try that, okay. Doesn't mean it's the right answer though, right? You're going to have to go through your journey. And I'm going to go through mine. And that's the thing that I've really realized. It starts and ends with you. Taking accountability. I think that's the number one thing that's wrong with society today. <clears throat> we make too many excuses. Oh, well, they grew up this way. Or, oh, this happened. Or, all oh, this did. Well, great. So did he. So did Boozy and Susie. And they didn't go fucking light anyone up. It was... I hate to think about it, but it's so much. We have parents, we have everything. We have children, loved ones, aunts, uncles, whatever. The next thing you know, they've got, they, have, they have some problems. And then we as family members, we don't want to realize that those problems are getting as such that they become dangerous to society and themselves. But because we love them so much, and because no, it, could never, it couldn't be our relative, it couldn't be our mom, dad, brother, sister, aunt, uncle, whatever, whatever, whatever. It would never do that. And the next thing you know, and I only bring this up because it's kind of ties in, but it's something it, it has to do with guns. I, have to, I always to be able to tell people the time, I'm like, um, you know, I understand that there needs to be some type of control and I understand that there needs to be rules and regulations uh, we're in a society that needs us. But are we in a society that says to ourselves, "The gun uh, 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 crawled right out of the closet or, or the cupboard; it unlocked itself, and then it went out and it
2: killed people." What? Well, yeah, people want to ban people want to ban guns.
1: So, you want to ban a gun, a gun that took. An individual, let's, let's be real now, took an individual to go in a closet, a box, locks, whatever, take it out, pull out the thing, possibly put bullets in it, then put it in their pocket or their bag or whatever, then go to wherever the scene of the crime is, pull it out, oh wait, let, let's get it right, and then pull the trigger. Well, in what part of that equation did the gun do
2: it? It didn't
1: a person did it so when will the accountability happen so where does that start i'm sorry but uh i'd go back to the mom and dad's house first those are the first people that now are going to jail
2: oh, what accountability you already do unfortunately god bestowed upon you a crackadoodle Motherfuckers crack a
1: doodle. And you didn't want to put crack a doodle where crack doodle belongs, in crack a doodle house. So since you didn't want to do that because, oh, well, my loved one, my your loved one just killed 40 people, motherfucker. And you don't
2: think those people are accountable for that? I think those are the main characters of you bred that,
1: you allowed that person to go f- further into their, and then you had guns somewhere, somewhere around somewhere. So you provided them the weapons, in essence. And then the dude went out, and the chick went out, and blast motherfucker, all
2: of people's heads. I don't know why shit happens.
1: Is everyone on drugs? Are these? Is our country on drugs? Are they on drugs? What do you mean you don't know what happened? You got fucking people that aren't taking responsibility, not only for their own families, but then all of a sudden now people are killing other families and you don't wanna go, I mean, I, it'd be the first thing. If your kid did that, you should go up and you'd say, hey, I want you to kill me and my wife. It's the best thing I can do for you, because we failed.
2: We failed. Because no
1: one can tell me that you didn't know the signs that your kid, your child, whoever it was, was already a loose cannon. That's called accountability, and there's no accountability. I'm done, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah, when will the motherfuckers be accountable for their bullshit? You need society has to be accountable and just think about how many mom and dads, boy, let me tell you what you motherfuckers. I got, I got lots of kids. I got seven grandkids, motherfuckers. You'll be responsible for those little motherfuckers now, because if I had to come kill you because you weren't fucking being a good motherfucker to go, Hey, I, I, God gave me a -a wackadoodle. We need to put the wackadoodle down. We got to do something with wackadoodle. Cause wackadoodle's gonna fuck kill someone, and before fuck wackadoodle kills someone, and fuck a the motherfucker like Brett them want to pop 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 kill me, fuck we better we better do something wackadoodle. Uh, that's what I'd say, but anyways, I don't want to go digress from my Zen motion there. But I'm just saying, there's got to be a place, man. Accountability, accountability.
3: I get it. I, I do. I really do. People need to more and
0: more reflect on their actions and how they're going to affect other people. Uh, I don't think people even care anymore in most cases. People tend to be in their own little bubble and not necessarily think their actions uh, transcend so far. Well, there's just so many people in the world now, and you're it, it, it's like a ripple effect in the water.
1: You have no idea what your cause of action
2: and what it can do. Um, you know,
1: certain people just have a power amongst our world, right? Uh, popularity yeah, is, is a, a true thing. And people idolize a lot of different things and facets of other human beings and things that they do. And a person like that, uh, you know, Michael Jackson, when he died. Prince,
2: when he died. Muhammad Ali.
1: If you look at some of these people um, that have died in, in the recent years that I can remember, and the impact and the mourning uh, that it had because people idolized these individuals, right? They idolized what they were doing. and In some cases, inspirational, in some cases, uh, Of infatuation. But whatever it was, that's the um, human nature, again, of wanting something that's beyond what they are, out of their control, a lifestyle that they possibly dream of. When the reality of it is, is the greatest life that you have is the morning that you woke up. You only realize that at the end of your deathbed. Because now you're only wishing that you would just what wake up in the morning. But see, life would get caught up in the most heaviest of situations to make it then the most important thing within the next day, you're dead. So, how important was that? Everything is in, in, in a way of life, being and meaning. It will happen regardless of what situations we may or may not do, but it truly will end up is how you deal with that situation. And life has a very interesting way of finding or defining who we are or what our life will be by the choices that you make in critical decision, decision-making decision times. That's the difference between a possibility of being alive or dead, or at the same time being successful or not successful. It's simply up to you, but you don't really realize that because you constantly are looking out in front of what Jimmy, Billy, or Bob is doing or did, and somehow you try to mimic that in its own kind of unique way, but yet, It's almost dysfunctional for you or any one of us because at the end of the day, it's your spaceship ride. It's not theirs. And that's what I mean by it's all defining on you. It's really important to really look at what your goals are, your expectations of what those goals are, and then write them down. Write them down, put them on paper, visualize them, and then act them out. And by doing that, you have built kind of a repetitive and a motion and and one might say uh, as in a body motion, but this is gonna be a mind motion. And it allows you to uh, uh, develop a more stronger, um, stronger, but yet defined uh, 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 pattern and how you can think. So I can go on forever about that, but that's just kind of my, my way of how I've been uh, trying to change in this last uh, year, year and a half.
3: I greatly respect it. And I see uh, a lot of stuff that you're saying be true. Uh, I was just
0: talking a few weeks ago, uh, a lot about what you're saying there, because uh, I'm a firm believer that, uh, if you believe in yourself and you can visualize it, I think that's where a lot of people go wrong as well, as people get older and they tend to fall into the loop. They lose their dream, they lose their imagination, they lose their ability to actually see the dream. And I think that's very critical. But I, one the part that I admitted to being wrong on that was the part of not writing it down, kind of defining my dream in the journal. I was saying that uh, all, all my mentors across the books, I suggested journaling, writing down your dreams, and that was one of the where I've always lacked, and that's where I needed to to pick up and start doing it, start keeping a journal making things a little bit more concrete, because I believe everything uh, has a vibration of rhythm. And at some point, you have to start the ripple. And I think that ripple actually starts with either verbally saying it or writing it down. Another thing I found true that you what you were saying is in, in a roundabout way, it, it all comes back to what you were saying all along is accountability. You know, as you talked about these people that you admire for one reason or another, you admire them because it—it it usually is something that you dream of or some some small way you lack. You wish you could be well. Coming back to accountability, you could be. You know what I mean. If you wanted to put the effort in, the work, the whatever. You know what I mean. Put put your dreams forward start writing it down start visualizing it and i find the same thing is true when you find yourself lurking on the dark side and hating you know what i mean all that is basically i find in my opinion it boils back down to you're you're angry at yourself because you know what i mean you're you're you've most cases, I find people hate on other people because, you know, they're they're highlighting something about them that they don't like that they haven't fixed about themselves or they know they're more capable of doing and they're not. You know what I mean? That's then it, That's it's they're projecting th- themselves in a wrong matter. You know what I mean? They're hating that person instead of kind of looking at themselves and going, hey, why aren't you there? why aren't you doing these things, you know, putting their accountability back on yourselves, not that it was lucky of them or anything else, you know, put that accountability back into your book. Why aren't you doing these things? Why aren't you taking those lessons? Why aren't you writing that shit down? Why aren't you visualizing it? I'm sure they did all those things to get, you know, to where they are. You shouldn't hate on them for that reason. You should be looking back on yourself on why you aren't in that place.
1: And and again, it goes back to just there's no reason to hate on them. You are exactly what you said, really probably because of an internal issue about jealousy, anger, hostility about these people being successful. Um, Really, they have no bearing on what you're going to do or how you're going to do it. It's more of anything that They've got a good product. You could have a good product. Great, uh, uh, as you said, you know, be happy for them. Um, find a, find a way to, or or that old saying I'm sure you probably heard of your parents, uh, was like, if you don't got anything good to say, don't say anything at all. And that might be the best
2: thing that I'm learning is that I've been catching myself this last few weeks now
1: after my little breakdown, uh, to say, you know what. Here, oh wait, here's my opinion, oh wait, no, oh, don't even say it at all, because it, it, it's just, it's just to the fire, and, and, and the fire is right now, you're just good, so be good, and just, you know, practicing,
2: and just learning to, if that statement,
1: if that statement goes out, and you know, by just, by you saying to yourself, oh boy, are people going to like that or not, then you already know they're not going to like it. So don't send it. You almost have the answer. You can feel it. And then when you're writing a story, of course, from um, emotion or uh, instead of facts, and you're not putting uh, a truth behind it, it's just, it's garbage. And uh, I don't want to
2: be part of it. So. I'm just trying to uh, you know, look the other, other
1: way, one, right? I'm not the one putting it out there being negative, then people eventually, I think, will the truth will come to the top and they'll see that you know it's just a a way, like you said, of then being able to kind of uh, reflect or bounce things off. You
4: know, it is what it is. So, right
3: on, yeah. uh... Life has strange lessons in it. You know,
0: at some point I wonder why we don't figure a lot of this stuff out. I think we're meant to figure it out a little later in life for some reason. <laughs> I don't know
3: why it is, but it seems like lessons that we should have learned earlier on.
2: Right.
0: Um, so uh I heard you say that you were a grandfather of seven. Uh pretty awesome stuff. Did that humble how did that humble out and when did that come in your life? Uh I I'm recently, very recently, kind of joined the grandfather club there. And uh it's it's already kind of humbled me in a lot of ways. Just holding that my the grandson for the first time kind of already changed my outlook on a lot of different things so uh when was uh, when was your first humbling experience of becoming a grandfather you know, it was about
1: 11 years ago um uh it was my oldest uh, grandson is 11 and my youngest um and mm. it, she will be uh, it's a girl it's a granddaughter and she's in the oven now, about uh, four, I think four months. Uh, So we have about another five more months before she'll be in the world. And then, so we'll have a brand new baby. Um, But it's been, um, it's like you said, it's so different than, you know, having having your own child, because you don't have the 24 hours a day seven days a week you know take taking care of so that's that's a huge as a parents that definitely is that's a job that's a job um the raising a child these days um is very interesting you know i i my first child was born in 1987 so i i look at it you know like a lot of things like I've had, you know, uh, my, and then my last child was born in 2005. So that's almost 20 years of baby making right there. And, that, you know, that's, that's, a, that's, that's a big gap. There's 19 years difference between my oldest child and my youngest. So, you know, um, I guess that's just, you know, the difference of, you know, our families, uh, specifically mine very unique because there are you know I have I have daughters one daughter's 35 another daughter's 32 another daughter's uh she'll actually be 20 in about another three weeks um and then a son that's 16 so um it is um it's really it's interesting to to have the dynamics in such a broad age group of kids um and then to have the grandkids
2: you know I was Man, what was I? I would have been, um, I think I was about 39 or 40 years old when my first grandkid was born. Um, So I was pretty young as far as a dad. Uh, But yeah, very humbling, no doubt.
1: Uh, The grandkids keep you on your toes for sure. Because they're running all over the place. They play lots of sports. So it's, a ne- it's just never ending. If it's not football. It's baseball. If it's not baseball. It's soccer. If it's not soccer. It's basketball. If it's not that. It's swimming. It's conditioning. It's like, oh, my goodness. I, I wonder how my parents did it with us as kids. Getting into the game practices and getting clothes. Oh, my
2: God. It never ends never
3: ends you know i actually had to have that talk with uh the my (laughs) my dad there at one point
0: you know as parent to parent i was like you know i just gotta thank you because he was a single parent you know and uh raising us both on his own. I was like, man, I gotta give you some credit to everything you provided with for us, you know, all that you did for us and shit. I don't know how you did it to these days, you know, to this day, I don't know how the fuck you did it. So I just wanted him to reiterate that, you know, everything he did, you know, every little lesson, everything I took for him, I appreciated, you know, (laughs) and uh, it's, it's things you don't necessarily appreciate. Tell. You do it on your own. You're, you you have to try to do all those things yourself. It's
1: yeah. I think all of us go through it. All of us tell our parents like, "I'll never do this. I'll never." That's insane. Why would you do that? What kind of a parent are you? Oh my god! And then all of a sudden, you have your own kids, and then you're like. Yo, I just did what my mom and dad just did. I said I would never do that shit. Yeah, because you don't fucking realize uh, at the time that how fucking stupid sometimes kids are and how dumb shit that they'll do. And then as a parent, you're like, what
2: are you doing?
1: And then they're like, oh, what do you mean? and you're like, dude, I promise you, you're never going to be in jail or dead. I'm not sure which one, but I just hope that when you leave the house, you realize that that shenanigans right there don't work. It don't work out there. It don't work out there. But again, it's teaching uh, the kids and every responsibility uh, that they know that they're going to have to have a consequence, right? You can't get them out of that trouble. But again, it's teaching your kid and being on top of them. I, I laugh all the time uh, uh, when my uh, daughters and kids, uh, uh, my son, hey, how, how was today? What'd you do today at school? Who'd you talk with? What'd you talk with? Every single day, the exact same thing for four years straight in high school. Every, every day, the exact, how was, was it, what'd you do? How was Billy Bob? How was Susie Sue? How, uh, why do you, that? I don't understand. Why do you ask every day? Why do you care? Ah, why do I care? I care because those people that you go to school with, that's who's forming who you're becoming. That's who who you see most more than you do me. You see those people. And parents don't realize how much other kids affect and rub off on your kids. And if you're not willing to attention to not only who your kids friends are but what their habits are you're building a little crackhead that's what you are and you don't even really realize it because you're not being a parent and that's a lot i think what happens with a lot of the kids today in our society they don't have parents they don't have people that are on top of them that are like no you can't talk that way you can't do that you can't do that you can't do that but you can do this, there you go, right here. This is what you can do, right here. Well, I want to do that. Well, you, you I don't know if you ever heard this. I used to hear it a lot. Well, yeah, you can do that. When you turn 18, let me know. You can, here, I'll have your backs, backs, uh, bags packed for you. And uh, just like you guys ever seen uh, Fred Flintstone, you'll be like Dino. Dino will be right outside. It's all good. We got you covered. And I'd be looking at my parents like, what? Like, oh, don't worry. Keep it up. We got you. We got your dad And it's again, what were they teaching me? They're teaching me about being accountable for my actions. And if I wanted to act like, as a, a nice way to put it, if I wanted to act like a donkey, well, then donkeys get to go stay outside like Dino. This is facts. But people want to, you know, sugarcoat it, they want to make it uh, pretty and pink. Well, then that's when you don't have accountability and then that's eventually you have a broken uh, water main because you never patched it. You never fixed it. (laughs) You kept on allowing it to just slip by the cracks and eventually it cracked. But that's, again, I think our society has a lot to learn. A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot.
2: So...
0: I think conversations like this helps, to be honest with you. So I appreciate you for coming to talk with me this evening, and uh, and on on cannabis, you know, some notes, you know. At some point, we've seen uh, a lot of ugliness come in the cannabis community, in the within like the last. It's it's fizzled. It fizzled. Thank goodness it started to fizzle out as fast as it came, but. Things, you know, kind of did get a little kind of, I don't know where, I don't even know how to say it. It just, there was a bad vibe in the community at some point, I think. Egos, heads got a little big in, you know, I think we all just kind of, most part, need that we're all just cool motherfuckers, just growing a plant that we love. And all of this shit that, you know, a lot of this tech, as you pointed out, a lot of the stuff that's being put forth has already been learned. <laughs> it's already been done. We just need to, you know,
3: go with what we love, enjoy with what be happy with what we're doing and that just be the end all.
2: It definitely is. You know, it's a, it's a learning
1: process, like we have been saying this whole time, and I'm, I'm, I'm just you know, very, I'm thankful that I still have an opportunity to grow <laughs> and learn. I'm very thankful that, you know, for all of the failures and the, you know, successes, there's been a, a good amount of hope that I still have a desire to want to go forward I still have a desire to want to finish something that I started and I really feel for me, it is the climax, uh, the finishing touches here. New York does seem to be for me that that final exclamation point where I can actually, because New York is, is such kind of almost a virgin in the sense of this whole legalization, And the laws, and the companies, and the overall business models here. We have a lot of people that are, you know, frankly, they've been in the dark for many, many years, um, being that on one side of our country it was legal on the west side of our country, and the east side of our country is now just coming into this legalization, at least by state level, and seeing the need for trained skilled workers here in New York is there's there's a lot of work there's a lot of opportunity here so for me it's really a no-brainer
2: to come here set up shop
1: not anything you know trying to be extravagant not trying to be the biggest not trying to be the biggest really trying to have the best fully vertebrated in a a business that is transferable and ready to be sold within three to five years and an exit strategy as i've indicated earlier this evening on a licensing and then uh, right into the sunset go somewhere warm and enjoy life
2: uh, that's really my goal
3: is to slow down a more so Nothing wrong with that, my friend.
0: Not a damn thing wrong with that. And uh, I appreciate everything you've done for the cannabis plan. I think I said that a little bit earlier, but I'd like to say it again with uh, you know, all bit of seriousness. You know, we gotta appreciate the people like yourself that help us get to where we are today. A lot of risk when tape has been taken by folks like yourself to keep genetics secure, to keep blind safe and uh, you know, again, thank you for everything you've done as far as you know genetics, everything that you will do for the cannabis community in the future. You know, it's very respectful, and I look forward to to follow along, having you on one more, you know, a few more times, and uh, seeing where your cannabis journey goes from here on out.
1: Yeah, no, I, I appreciate it as well having a platform as such as yours and being able to get out. Uh, maybe a different viewpoint, um, a different opinion. Sometimes people, again, we talked about earlier, how someone could put an article out, how someone might hear you speaking, not hear the full um, section of the article or hear your whole speech, and then define and or open opinion about you that is almost, you know, half full, it's it's not fully there because they didn't fully get all the information. So again, having shows like this and uh, taking the time to really go through and hearing someone's personality, um, seeing someone's personality and getting to see that I think is really good, not only for someone like me, but for some of your other uh, viewers and some of your uh, other, um individuals your interviews that you're doing it's important so i appreciate it as well
3: well i know i told you this the last time we spoke
0: but both things are true that zoom link that i sent you this evening and the last time as well always works uh though the last time we spoke the the after show was called uh the wormhole but we've since uh, kind of moved changed things around a little bit and now it's called the weed nerd world <laughs> the after party show and then anytime you see that in the title you're more than welcome to kind of come hang out smoke talk what we're out talking about uh we we, we love hearing other perspectives and talking with new folks that we don't usually get to talk to so please keep it in mind uh you know it's always nice to tell, for myself to talk to a legend like like yourself. But uh not everybody gets that option. So when people pop into the weed Nerd world like yourself, uh it does it tends to make a few few days when they can ask questions that uh they wouldn't normally get to ask. Uh with that being said, uh one last final thing I'd get like to get from you is a, that silly thing I Called the soundbite again i think if you remember right it this is uh my version would be hey this is eagle and i'm on fucking talking shit with eagle episode 643 it was 606 or uh, 306 the last time we talked but uh 643 this round if you could uh give me a little sound bite for a future commercial for this episode i would greatly appreciate it
1: Yes, yes, Uh, you know, welcome and thank you for turning in to the Eagle Show. It's episode 643, live on a Sunday night, the 22nd of May. Uh, Stay tuned for all the exciting news and fun times. Talking shit with the Eagle live on Sunday.
3: Well, I greatly, greatly appreciate your time. And I, again, I
0: look forward to speaking with you again very soon. And I wish you the best in uh, New York. I hope that everything goes off without a hitch. And I hope all the, the dream that you've wrote down comes out just as well, if not better than when you wrote it down, my friend. With well, I that really being said uh thank you so much again for your time it's the most valuable thing that we have i'm learning that to be true more and more every day so thank you so much
1: all right buddy well thank you again uh thank you to the listeners and i look forward to the next time blessings
3: blessings have a good night
0: For the rest of you guys, thank you for tuning in. Uh, If you're not going to follow over into the Weed Nerd world, then uh, please do remember to do something nice for somebody. Randomized kindness do save lives. With that being said,